You're listening to the Disciple Community Podcast, sermons, teachings, and timely words from the Disciple Community Gathering at The Source Wichita in Wichita, Kansas. For more audio, video, and other resources for Christian growth and encouragement, visit thesourcewichita.com. Well, <clears throat> so today is going to be normal for The Source because it's different than any other day. <laughs> and that's kind of what we do around here. And so um, today, I, I hope that a lot of this will be interactive. And so kids, hey kids, who's a kid here? Raise your hand if you're a kid. Andrea says she's a kid. <laughs> awesome. Okay, I have a question. Um, I know that many of you are like way back there, but I want to have some interaction. Would it be cool if you guys moved forward some? I know everyone hates when people do that, but it's we're like family here and, you know, not entirely professional. So, <clears throat> hey kids, has anyone here heard a Bible story before? Raise your hand if you have. Yeah? Yeah, you've heard a Bible story before? Cool. Okay, I have a question for you. I want you to think of things that are a mystery. Do you know what a mystery is? A mystery is something that's really strange and you don't even know how it could possibly happen. Okay, or maybe you don't even know that it did happen, right? But there are things that were really strange and that were mysterious that happened in the Bible, right? Anybody know any stories that were really crazy in the Bible? Jesus turned water into wine. That is pretty crazy. I've never seen that happen in person. Anybody? Gabe? Yeah. Okay, that would be amazing. What if we had 5,000 people in this building? And we only had like three fish and five loaves of bread. And we had to feed everybody. That was a pretty crazy thing. That was a mystery for sure. Any other mysteries? Adults, you can chime in too with different mysteries. Kim wasn't an adult when she answered first. I'm just kidding, she was. <laughs> Any other mysteries you can think of? Linda. Yeah. He was let out of jail. His, his chains fell off. An angel got him out. I've never heard of that happening either. Yes? Noah's Ark. You know what was really mysterious about this? They have said that they didn't even think it had rained before Noah's Ark. And so for him, for God to say, build this giant thing, and he had to build it, and people were making fun of him the whole time, and he was like, okay, God's saying that I'm supposed to build this thing, and then to have every animal be able to get on the ark, and then for it to rain for that long and save all of those animals, it was amazing. That was certainly mysterious. Ryder, that's true. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know what? I love the Veggie Tales. Have you guys ever seen the Veggie Tales one of Rakshak and Benny? Yeah. That's like my favorite. That's I love that one. True. I could sing the bunny song. How about you? Daniel in the lion's den? Oh, I do not want to go into a lion's den. I've been warned about that. We were warned about that when we were in Africa, and they said... Do not get out of your car if there's a lion, because they will eat you, which is crazy. But they never ate Daniel, because you know who appeared there? 
There was an angel of the Lord who appeared there. Some people even think it was Jesus who appeared there and helped save him from the lions. So cool. Any other mysteries in the Bible you can think of? What did you say? Parting the Red Sea. What if God told you to take a big stick? Hey, Illy, what if God told you to take a big stick and put it in the water? And then when you did that, the water just went like this. And then you could walk right across. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. That would be really cool. So... How many of you would love to have God reveal a mystery to you? Or do something really crazy that was out of this world that we would go, wow, this has never happened before. That would be awesome. I would love to be part of that story. And, you know, okay, so I got to tell you something. I'm going to read a little bit. Please don't get bored, okay? Try to pay attention. But I'm going to read a little bit out of Ephesians chapter 3. And Paul was talking about mysteries. And so this was something that really, really impacted me when I read about this. Because I realized God always, throughout all of the Bible, the way he showed people who he was was by revealing mysteries that nobody else knew about and that had never happened before. And so I want to read this because he was talking about things that I thought, no way, how is this possible? So he said, uh, he said, and how the mystery was made known to me in a revelation. Do you know what a revelation is? It means when when somebody shows you something, like if something's revealed. So have you ever had like a cloth over something and you don't know what's underneath? And then, ta-da, then you find out the surprise. Maybe it's a cake or something like that. And so anyway, if you do that, that's something being revealed. And when something's revealed to you, it's called a revelation, okay? So God can reveal things to you in a thousand different ways. You know, sometimes it could be like that, or sometimes it could be like, wah, you automatically know it, or maybe he does something awesome like turning water into wine or whatever. So anyway, let's talk about the revelation. So he said, "Um, I briefly wrote about it earlier. When you read what I've written, you will be better able to understand the depth of my insight, how I see into it, into the mystery of the anointed one. When it says the anointed one, that means Jesus, okay? A mystery that has never before been shown to past generations. Only now are these secrets being revealed to God's chosen people and prophets through the Holy Spirit. Specifically, the mystery is this. This is what the mystery is. By trusting in the good news, the Gentile outsiders, that's all of us, anyone who's not a Jewish person, right, is a Gentile, are becoming fully members of the same body, heirs alongside of Israel, and beneficiaries of the promise that has been fulfilled through Jesus, the Anointed One. So that means God had a chosen people. Have you guys heard of that, where God had a chosen people from Israel? And so he had a chosen people, but what Jesus did was he allowed all of us 
to become family like his chosen people, which is so amazing. So we could all become one body. Okay? And then it says, I became a servant and preacher of this good news by the gift of God's grace as he exercised his amazing power over me. I cannot think of anyone more unworthy to this cause than I, the least of the least of the saints. Do you know why he was the least of the least? Why he thought he shouldn't have been chosen by God? It's because he went and he killed all the Christians before God revealed himself to him. And so then he felt like, I am the worst. God could choose me and I killed all of his people? And so that's why he thought he was the worst. Anyway, um, he said, But here I am, a grace-made man, privileged to be an echo of his voice and a preacher to all the nations of the riches of the anointed one, Jesus, riches that no one ever even imagined. I'm privileged to enlighten all of Adam's descendants to the mystery concealed from previous ages by God, the creator of all through Jesus, the anointed. Here's his objective. Through the church, he intends now to make known his infinite and boundless wisdom to all rulers and authorities in heavenly realms. This has been his plan from the beginning, one that he has now accomplished through Jesus, the anointed one, our Lord. His faithfulness to God has made it possible for us to have the courage we need and the ability to approach the Father confidently. So I ask you to not become discouraged because I'm in jail for speaking out on your behalf. In fact, my suffering is something that brings you glory. Can you believe one of God's chosen people was someone who was in jail? <laughs> and not only that, the one thing that I found really, really interesting was verse 10. And it said, here's his objective through the church. He intends now to make known his infinite and boundless wisdom to all rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Could you imagine if the church, that's all of us, if all of us were able to teach those in heaven about all of the mysteries and the wisdom of God? This is what he said the whole point was, was so that we would teach all of the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms about the wisdom and mysteries of God. I don't know if you guys understand this, but this is a bigger deal than most of us have ever even thought of. Have we ever thought that we're the people who are supposed to teach those in heaven? I have always thought of it the opposite way. I've completely thought of it the opposite way. I'm like, oh yeah, they could teach us. But I'm thinking we don't know anything about anything. But what happened was God told, remember through the, the new covenant, we talked about this at communion. I don't know if everybody was here, but... We talked about this in communion, that he wrote this new law on our hearts. His law was written on our hearts, and we automatically knew him. So what's interesting is pretty much everybody, from when they're little, know what's right. Right? And I don't know if you've noticed, but those who are little know the Lord better than almost anybody. 
And it sounds silly because most people don't think of, of young ones as knowing God. But it's true. If you talk to them, they believe with a faith that is unshakable. They do. I remember when Soren, I'm glad he's not here, but you guys know. Anyway, um, I remember when he was really little. And he, we would pray at night before he went to bed. And he was probably two, about a little younger than Illy. And he was so prophetic. He knew what to pray for because he was paying attention to the heart of God, even though he didn't even really know that he was paying attention. But he would know things that I would go, how do you know that? So we're praying for this person. He goes, we need to pray for a job. And I would be like, you don't know that. <laughs> like, how do you know that? You know, and he would do this. And I would see, wow, he's really connected to the heart of God in a way that I wasn't. I wanted to be, but I wasn't. And what happens is as we get older, we start teaching them the laws of right and wrong, right? This is what happens. We go, this is right, this is wrong, this is right, this is wrong. But when they're little, they're able to actually walk and do what God is doing without even thinking about it. They don't even have to think about it because they have this direct connection and they haven't been tainted yet. They're eating from the tree of life because Jesus came to give us all life, right? He said, eat from the tree of life, not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But we go and we teach, well, Here's what's right. Don't hit, don't kick, don't do this, don't do this, but do this. You better do this. Every day you got to do this. And we have all these rules that we set up about how do you get to God, right? And all of a sudden, we have, without thinking, what we're doing is we're going, here's how you get to God. Here's how God hates you. Here's how God loves you. But that's not true because this was a new covenant. And now we don't have to do the right thing to get to God. We have a sacrifice that took care of that for us, and all we have is life, life abundantly. And so every little kid, they get the life abundantly. They don't worry about if they're going to be taken care of or not, if they're doing the right thing, am I budgeting correctly, and am I doing this, and, you know, they don't worry about those things because they just trust that they're going to be taken care of no matter what. They have life. And what we do is we have a tendency to take and just go back to the creation where the fall was, where they ate from the knowledge of good and evil all the time. That one time they said, okay, that's going to bring you death. Jesus came to bring us life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we don't need to teach them about right and wrong because it's already written on their heart. All we need to teach them is to go for life. Life alone, Jesus alone. That's it. And when you start walking with Jesus, he leads you to the Father, right? That's the whole point, is to be led to the Father. Most people stop at Jesus. Look, Jesus is amazing. There's nothing I could do without him. But the whole point is not him. He says, no, you don't get it. It's about my Father. I only do what I see the Father doing. Not I only do what I want to do. And so our point is to go and be led into relationship with the Father through Jesus. And once we do that, and we do what he did, we only do what we see the Father doing. You can't do what you see the Father doing if you don't pay attention, right? 
which is funny. We always forget to pay attention to what God's doing. And it isn't about doing what's right or wrong, because he could tell me, hey, I want you to go with me, and I want you to go down to that grocery store and buy a gallon of milk and take it to the corner over here. But Kim, she's supposed to be doing something different. And so what's right for me is wrong for her. But if we pay attention to what the Father's doing, and we only do what he's doing, and we walk with what he's telling us to do, all of a sudden we're doing what's right. There is no right or wrong, it's life, right? And so it's not about, okay, I have opinions on all sorts of things. Everyone does, right? But it's not about, is abortion right or wrong, okay? I'm really passionate about this. I'm not even going to share about it. But that's not the point. It's not going, the Bible says this, therefore, this is how it needs to be. All we need to do is show people to have a relationship with the Father, and then they'll do what he's doing. And it's life every time. We don't even have to worry about it. We don't need to convince people with logic what's right and wrong or we're eating from that tree again. And we can know that that tree leads to death. And so all we have to do is lead them into relationship. And then these mysteries will start happening and we'll go, wow. What was really amazing to me is when all these mysteries happen throughout the Bible and then we go, oh, well, this life's pretty boring. You know, I don't know, being a Christian is just, I'm not good enough. Have you ever heard these things? This is very common. We go, I'm not good enough for God. It's not about that. He says it's not about being good. So if we start just walking with him, don't you think that we'll see these mysteries? Lots of mysteries. And these things, we don't have to go and say, well, it never happened in the Bible. Because you know what? Jesus said, everything that's in this book, it will be greater. Greater things than this will happen, and you'll be doing them. And so if we forget that part, then what we do is we go, wait a second, it has to be wrong if it's not this. Or it's right if it is this. And again, we're doing the knowledge of good and evil. Yes, Jason, go ahead. To be read, to me, though I am the least, very least of all the saints, this verse is given to me, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, not the... I searched it and found it in the Bible, and so therefore, so is it searchable or is it unsearchable? It's unsearchable, right? Well, a mystery, what's interesting about a mystery is a mystery has to be revealed, right? It's not something that, you know, if you, you can't find a mystery, it doesn't make sense. That wouldn't be a mystery. If it's a mystery, it means it has to be revealed to you. And so this is what is amazing is we have to, if we walk with the Father, He can reveal to us His ways and mysteries that are unknown. You know, what I was really, this is really interesting because there was something, I won't even mention what it is, but <laughs> there was something that the Lord revealed to me about what happened a long time ago before even creation happened. And... What, when I had this experience, I thought, but wait a second, how, how could I possibly know that? And it was like, uh, how could I have this revelation? Nobody else has had this revelation. And, and I still haven't told anyone about it because it's 
freaks me out, you know, because it's a mystery. But <laughs> then the Lord showed me, well, how do you think the creation was even written about? And then I was like, right. <laughs> it had to have been through Revelation. They wouldn't have known because it wasn't Adam and Eve who wrote it, right? A long time past is when it was written. And so, wow, okay, obviously, Revelation is how people have even written the things in the Bible. And that just, it kind of blew me away in a way <laughs> because I realized, wow, this is the way of the Bible. If God is speaking to me like this, this is the way of the Bible. And so this is something that I should be okay with. But what we have a tendency to do is go, this doesn't fit into my box of theology right here. <laughs> you know, if, is God really supposed to show me things that are outside of this? Actually, that's how the Bible was written to begin with. <laughs> and even when we're reading in the New Testament, you know, they're talking about all of these things and all of these mysteries. And none of that was written about. All of these mysteries, none of it was written about. Jesus coming, it was prophesied, but all of this was not even written until after it happened. And so all of the things that God does with us, they will be written, whether it's in a Bible or not, it will be written for others in future generations to see and know the love of God. And it has to be his love because things can happen that are really cool, but if it's not grounded in the love of God, then it's a false God. And so we have to know that everything that is revealed to us is about him redeeming us and just wanting relationship. And so whenever we are getting mysteries, we have to steward them well. And when you steward a mystery, that means you're taking care of it and you're giving it out at the right time and you're saving it at the right time, just like you do with money. If you're a good steward of your money, you save it at the right time and you give it out at the right time, right? And so if you steward a mystery, that means, one, you have a mystery to steward. <laughs> you have to have a mystery to take care of it. And we're supposed to be the ones to discover the mysteries that brings us the wisdom that teaches all of the heavenly ones. And so we have to realize that it's kind of a big responsibility not to intimidate, but if we're still in this trying to do right and wrong all the time, like, okay, I got to try to be good. I got to try to do the right thing. I got to read my Bible every day and then I have to pray for 15 minutes. And then I really need to eat the right things. And then I need to exercise and crap, I just ate the wrong thing again. And you know, you just go back and forth all this. This is me. Okay. I'm really describing myself. But anyway, <laughs> um, when we do that, we're totally missing it. It's like we're these immature people, not like children. Children are the ones who are pure in heart to just go and be with him and know the wisdom, right? And so that's how we need to be like the children, is to be able to be pure and just go, God, it's between you and me, you know? And, they, and then God says, hey, you need to go tell that person. Then they run over to him, give him a hug or whatever it is. And they naturally do these things. And we've seen people, kids, at least around here, we've seen kids who have been strong and they have been doing the work of the Lord and they've been walking in his ways and they have been experiencing the gifts of the spirit. And then they get a little older and it starts to fade because it's all about right and wrong. And we have to take that away. 
We can't keep in this eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We have to know that the wisdom of God is being with him. That's the whole point of Jesus coming, was so that we would be with him. He said, I want you to be with me and be with each other like I'm with the Father, one with the Father. And so if we're like that and we are actually one with Jesus, that means complete intimacy. That means an intertwining to where sometimes it gets confused if you're thinking of yourself or if it's Jesus, you know? <laughs> there are times when, when I've said, well, I don't know, I'm not sure that that's God, but that's me. And then I get a confirmation that it's God. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's cool, <laughs> because I thought it was me. <laughs> and when that happens, you recognize that you're starting to mature. And the maturity isn't in knowing the right thing. It's about being more in communion. And so that's why communion is so important to me, is because it's all about becoming one with him. And it's about going, oh, more relationship, more of you, God. It's all I want is more of you. And so when we can do that, we don't have to worry about anything. Because it says right there that we have unfathomable riches, right? So many riches in the kingdom, because we are now the royal priesthood. We're priests and kings. How could we be a king? <laughs> Remember when it said that Jesus is the king of kings? He's our king, and we are kings. And so if we are royal priesthood, we have all the riches of the kingdom at our disposal. And that doesn't mean, hey, I just want to get a Ferrari, so God, could you hook me up? It's really about saying, I have everything I need to fulfill my destiny on this earth. And whatever God asked me to do before he created me, I have everything I need to do it. And so I have all the love, I have all the gifts, I have all the finances, I have all the people around me, I have all the relationship, the time, everything. And so if you think, no, my time's up, I've been too long, it's not too long. If you're in him, you have unlimited time, right? And so I guess what I really hope to, to bring is an interest in the mysteries of God and for people to not throw it away. Because what happens is we get mysteries and we see these things that God does and then we try to explain them away. And I'll tell you, the United States, we're pretty good at doing that. And that's not a good thing. But we, what we do is we explain everything away. It's like this atheism has started to take over the church. All of a sudden we go, well, that really could be, this is what I do, okay? I'm really explaining myself. One time we were in South Africa. And I was just talking about this yesterday with them. But one time we were in South Africa. It was our first day there. First time we'd ever been there. And... Um, I was preaching this conference, and it was the first session, and I was, you know, the Spirit was just taking me over. It was amazing. It was, I loved that feeling, and, and the Spirit was taking me over, and people were really receiving it, and then all of a sudden, they started doing this in the air, <laughs> and I'm like, that's a really weird South African greeting, and so I, I really just, <laughs> okay, whatever that is, and I didn't even ask, and I just kept going, and then we had a break, and it was lunchtime. And these ladies came up to me telling me, um, they were like, did you see all that? I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and so they said, didn't you see all those feathers in the air? And I'm like, no. And 
And I was like, oh, that's what they were doing. And so anyway, they were showing me these feathers. And they were feathers I'd never seen before, nothing like that. But I'm a skeptic. And so I'm like, yeah, there had to be birds in the sanctuary, okay? <laughs> so it is Africa. So anyway, I'm just thinking, must be birds. And then later on, we started having some angelic manifestations. And this is something that, to us, generally, it's a mystery, right? You don't see angels every day. Some people do. I see them often, but not everyone does that. And so when that happened, I was like, oh, they really are manifesting so that people's faith will be built. And so what happens is when you get these mysteries and you're a part of a mystery, all of a sudden you start to believe God more. And so that's the whole point. It's not that, you know, wow, I'm so cool because I received an angel feather. No, it's about really going, oh, God, this isn't just a thought or my imagination. You're real because he's showing up tangibly in things. And so these things build our faith. And when we experience mysteries, it, it's weird sometimes. But what do you mean? <laughs> It is weird usually. I think it's weird most of the time. I mean, his love is not weird to me, I guess. When he just, when I feel his presence and I feel his love around me, that is not weird. But what is weird to me is like the water getting rid of the slime. <laughs> This last time we were in South Africa, that's what happened. And the Lord transformed this whole river. And when heaven intersects with earth and mysteries happen, it is weird. I mean, it's one of those things you're like, you kind of step back like, am I making this up? Everybody does this. Okay, everyone from the United States says this. <laughs> um, they go, am I making this up? Not all countries are like this because some countries have kind of a culture of spiritualism, you know what I mean? Whether it's good or bad. But ours really, it isn't like that anymore. And so it's harder for us sometimes. But I would just say, take a look at the kids, even what they're coloring, and just see what they draw about. Ask them what God's speaking to them, and believe them. That's probably the hardest part for us, is believing them. It's, it's sad that we have more faith in the enemy's work than we do in God's work. Right. It happens all the time to us here. God, it is a shift. You're right. That, needs, that shift has to happen to where we believe God more than we believe the enemy, and even more than we believe ourselves. Um, you know, there are things that I've told myself my whole life that were complete lies and I didn't even recognize it. I, some of you have maybe heard this, but I had this encounter with the Father where I was in the throne room in the heavenly realms, and I came before him and I said, God, I know that you have a destiny for me, but I have no idea what it is, and I want to know, and I want to step into it, and take responsibility for it. And he showed me that what I was supposed to do was lead people into the heavenly realms. And that freaked me out because I had no idea how to do that. 
And immediately I just said, no, no, God, I'm not worthy of that. And he stood up in, in his great authority, which I never experienced before. And he just said, you don't tell me if you're worthy. I tell you if you're worthy. And showed me I was on the arm of Jesus as the bride. And I was just like, yes, Lord. I mean, immediately. There's nothing that I've ever been so like immediately changed by. But I learned at that time that I have to believe him over me or over somebody else or over the enemy. Because apparently, I had these feelings of unworthiness that I didn't recognize. And in fact, later on, I realized it was really true. Because I have a tendency, if someone says, you know, no, oh, I don't anymore. But I used to. I had this tendency, if someone said, hey, you're not doing this right. You need to stop. I'd just be like, you're right. I'm terrible. And, you know, I would just have this, like, I stink mentality and then quit. And... I had someone do that after my experience with the Lord, and they said, you are not worthy of teaching. You should not be doing this. Uh, you need to spend more time under teachers. You should not be doing this. You should not be just learning from the Lord. And immediately I just said, well, good thing you're not the one who decides if I'm worthy to do this, because you know, God's the one who told me, so he's the one who decides. And it's funny, because before that, I never would have said something like that. But it was so obvious to me at that point, that was the enemy schemes trying to shut me down because God doesn't say that to me. And so anyway, these are things that we have these tendencies to really take these things along with us like, I will never change, I will always be the same. I mean, I can't be the only person who has felt like this, where I've thought, there's no way I can get past these, this addiction to food. I've thought this, like, this is just who I am. I'm never getting past it. God says, actually, that's not who I created you to be. That's just who you think you are. And the more you think it, the more you are. As a man thinketh, so he is. That's what the Bible says, right? And so the more we think it, the more we are. And he wants to transform our mind. Every day, right? Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He's the only one who can renew our minds. Let him just do it. Every day I try to lay myself out as a living sacrifice, and I say, God, actually I say Jesus, I say, Jesus, will you please be my high priest and just chop off my head and give me the mind of, of you? Give me your mind. And it sounds really brutal. But I don't want this stuff. I want him. And I need his mind because mine suffers. <laughs> I have a tendency to just dwell on the wrong things. In fact, later on in the same book, it talks about dwelling only on the things above. I have had people say to me, you are so wrapped up in the heavenlies, you're no earthly good. Well... That's what the Bible told me to do. You're the one who's trying to tell me I'm doing it wrong. But, you know, the thing is, it says, focus on everything that's good, pure, righteous, right? All these things that are worthy of praise. Focus, it says, focus everything. All, turn your eyes to the heavenly places. Focus on heavenly things. But what happens as soon as we focus on heavenly things, people go, that's a little too freaky for me, right? 
But isn't that what we're supposed to do? So the whole reason Jesus was crucified was because he was focusing on heavenly things. He was saying, my father, and they said, your father? Who do you think you are? Well, I say my father. You know, that's my father. I'm going to do what he says. And I'm going to look there all the time. If you don't like it, take it up with him. It's fine. I know people think it's weird, but this is something that <laughs> is normal in the Bible. All of these things, the normal in the Bible is what is so weird to us. This should be who we are. You know, I say that it, it's not a phone, okay? This is my Bible right now <laughs> because I was reading from my phone. But anyway, if we really are embodying the people of the Bible, then we're going to be walking in weird stuff. And we're going to see these transformations that happen on the earth that look so strange that we're like, whoa, God. <laughs> You know, I remember reading about Moses. Do you guys remember Moses? And he had the staff, and, <laughs> and he went in, and all of these, these people were, were in witchcraft. Do you remember that? So they had these witchcraft people who were working with the Pharisee, and he was going to say, let my people go, is what God says. So let the Israelites go. And so they threw down their staves and they turned into snakes. And so you know what Moses did? He threw down his staff and it turned into a snake that ate the other snakes. I'm telling you, if I came in here with a staff and I threw down a staff and it became a snake, you guys would kick me out. Right? <laughs> she said, I'd jump up in the bench. <laughs> but it's because we're not used to seeing the mysteries of God. And as soon as we're used to seeing the mysteries of God, then it doesn't become so strange. You know, now it's been probably three years since I've been intentionally engaging in heaven. And at first, everything I saw, Kim can contest. I would go, this is so weird. I would always do that, like, I know you won't believe me, but this is so weird, but I gotta tell you what I saw. And so, and finally she kept saying, just quit saying it's so weird all the time. Or this is crazy. I would say, this is so crazy. And she'd go, quit saying it's so crazy. Just say it's foreign. And so I started saying, this is really foreign. Um, and then the Lord convicted me about that and said, actually, you're supposed to be an alien in the earth and that's supposed to be your home. So that should be your culture. And I was like, oh. So... <laughs> I realized all of this life should be foreign and all of that life should be normal. And so then I, you know, I kept on and kept on and every day I have a new experience with the Lord. And then I'd have somebody come to me and say, oh my goodness, I saw this, it was so crazy. And they'd tell me and I'd be like, oh no, that's really normal in heaven. And, and they would be like, what? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is, this is how it works. And you know, they would say, he told me to eat this scroll. And I'd be like, oh, that's normal. It's fine. When you eat it, it becomes part of who you are, you know? And then yeah, I'd go, look in Ezekiel, I told him to eat a scroll. And so these are things that happen. And we just, that should be normal that we go, no, no, that's just how it works. It's cool. And we don't freak out because someone is eating a scroll in the heavenly places. And so anyway, I don't even know where I was going with that. But the point is the mysterious 
becomes something that's normal. And the more it becomes normal for us, the more we truly are inspiring those. Because what is really cool is the Lord has started opening my spiritual eyes to what's happening in the earth, okay? Every time we gather here, there are people from the cloud of witnesses. You know, in Hebrews it talks about we're surrounded by such a great a cloud, such a great cloud of witnesses. There are people who, are, who have gone already to heaven who are around us all the time paying attention. And sometimes they're there to support us. Sometimes they're just worshiping with us. But they're also there learning from us. There are angels all the time who come and are here to help us, to worship with us, and to learn from us. That's wild to me, but that's what's been happening. This is actually happening, what he's talking about. And so that means let's pay attention to them. I mean, we don't have to pretend like they don't exist. The Bible says they do. So let's just say, hey, welcome. Come on, let's do it together, you know? That's what we should be doing, I think, every time, is just welcoming and just saying, yes, I'm going to participate in the heavenly things. That's what I'm going to do. And that's going to be my life. And so anyway, that's the word I had today. Um, I'm really hoping that today God will reveal some mysteries. And so um, if you don't mind, can you put on some soaking music, Jason? And I just want everyone to soak in the Lord and just spend some time saying, God, do you have anything to show me? Just ask Jesus. Take, say, Jesus, will you take me to God? Take me to the Father. And will you just show me something? Whatever it is. The, the hardest part is trusting what you see or what you experience. If God shows you a balloon that is floating through the air, follow the balloon and see what he's trying to show you because it might lead to something that really blows your mind.